Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So following hard on the heels of uh, the recent blog post we've been doing about Jesus and politics and Jesus uh, says Black Lives Matter, um, which, by the way, you should probably go back and read again and again. Um, We're looking at how Jesus ushers in change. So we're we're talking about God as a reformer, someone who uh, is seeking to change the world. Um, So first of all, definitely uh, go read this blog um we kind of really drill into the the juxtaposition of jesus and john the baptist which is a fascinating um kind of narrative that gets set up within the gospels but what i really want to discuss you know you can go read that um but what i really want to get to the heart of is about change um so the world just seems like it's so tense at the moment and part of that is due to this pandemic but part of it is um due to the frustrations that are just coming to the fore so you know we in in the uk we've had uh brexit which was extremely divisive um and that and now the the black lives matter sort of protests going on which is also divisive the way uh that lockdown is being handled and, and rolled out and, and enforced or not enforced is also really divisive and, and it feels like there's a bubbling up of things that, that that people are just really wanting change and there's so many arenas uh, for change so we could talk about the economy we could talk about um, the ecology and um, we can talk about the ethics and morality of this nation we could talk about the politics of this nation and where it sits in the world and the same with the states you know donald trump has been an incredibly divisive character um the the, the way that uh, kind of refugees and, and, and immigrants uh, are treated has been a divisive issue literally with a wall being built and 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 the whole black lives matter movement and 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 that kind of social justice and desire for change that there's this push for change and and it really leads to you know how how does jesus affect change and how do we want change to be done now jesus is heralded you know in in the new testament as the messiah the christ you know it's not his second name that's his role that's his vocation um so as god incarnate jesus comes and becomes uh incarnate as this messiah figure that is is pointed to you know from the old testament and the thing was is that nobody nobody recognized him as the messiah that he was to be people were anticipating this kind of davidic king warrior type uh, messiah and as a result in jesus's time in, in that sort of era that there were loads of messiahs that sprang up these these uh kind of revolutionary military leaders seeking to overthrow either the temple elite the 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 herodian kind of dynasty or the romans or a mixture of all of the above and most of the time the these uh these insurgents uh were captured and killed um, and Jesus is kind of lumped into that bracket, but he was a Messiah unlike any of these others. He did not seek to um, primarily, and that's the important thing here, he did not seek to primarily create social change or economic change or, or the change in government policy or anything like that. He didn't. He could have, but he didn't. He had, you know, at least 5,000 people following him at one point when he gave them, you know, bread in the wilderness. And they could have easily marched down from the north, the poor north. Uh, onto Jerusalem 
you know, uh, Easter. So during Jesus's passion, that time would have been an especially kind of nationalistic time. He could have mobilized the, the, the thousands upon thousands of people that were in the Jerusalem area uh, for the Passover celebrations. He could have mobilized them and overthrown the Romans for a short period of time. But he did not. Instead, he died this um, this death that wasn't even heroic. It wasn't like our superheroes that died this sacrificial death that was full of heroism and everybody understood and, and 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 got that message. No, it was this, you know, he just looked for all intents and purposes like a failed, really daft insurgent dying the death of an insurgent hung naked and bloody and ashamed and embarrassed on that cross. Um. But Jesus sort of ushering change of a whole different level. You see, we, we mix our categories. Um, we think the the pinnacle of, of change should be political. We seek to overthrow the government. And, and what we uh, kind of don't readily think about is that all you do is create a different class of oppressor. Uh, the, the oppressor and the oppressed still exist. It's just that the roles are reversed. And and like I mentioned in in the um, Jesus and politics blog, it's just the same side of the dirt, the same dirty coin, uh, the, the different sides of the same dirty coin. And and then that's not what Jesus is about. Jesus understands that that the 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 ultimate goal for history is that creation would be reconciled to God, that it'd be drawn into this beautiful Trinitarian communion. And now it talks about Jesus being the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters, that we would all engage and be reconciled into that beautiful, beautiful existence of love. And, and that, 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 that category envelops everything. It, it, like our, our human squabbles, our, our human divisions, as important, as essential as much as they matter, and they do matter very deeply, they are subsumed within that. If Christ is going to fill all in all, he has to, has to, has to fill my heart first. And so as we elaborated in the, the Jesus and politics, you know, God is fundamentally relational. And we as people, we have misconceived our personhood as not being relational, but it is relational. So Jesus sets change about by becoming relational. And making us relational. If we read uh, the New Testament, the way Paul went about his missionary work in planting churches, it was all based on this relational connection. He would meet someone, he would hang out with them, he would work alongside them, and he would teach them about Jesus. He would go and argue in the synagogues, and whoever came to him and asked more, he would disciple them. And that is a relational characteristic. If you read the letters, you know, uh, the beautiful letters that Paul wrote about, you know, to the Corinthians or to the Ephesians or to the Galatians. It's kind of just this hammering on. Be nice to each other. Love one another. You know, you read the letters of John and it's all about this, like, love. Love as God loves. You know, Jesus in, in John talks a lot about this, you know, be friends. You know, I've called you as friends. You are to love one another as I have loved you. And all of these relational things, the guidance of Jesus is that we should love God. And that looks like loving neighbor. And so when Jesus inspires change, the means are the ends. Like we cannot uh, we cannot say, oh, there's this hot topic agenda thing now. So we, we've got to just bend everybody and coerce everybody due to the urgency of it. We, we, we have to force people to, to adhere to our point of view. Because the thing is, is that when you get to the ends, when you when you find the culmination of that, you, you've broken the ends because of the means you've selected. So Jesus comes to usher in change through relational means. 
And the thing that I really want to draw up in the juxtaposition between John the Baptist and Jesus is they both have the same message. So if you read Luke 4 and 5, they both have the same message. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. And the thing is, is that when John launches this message and, and, and because we've read it in a Sunday school fashion, we think that John and Jesus are both on the same team. They have the same goals. They have the same ideas about the kingdom, but they really don't when you start looking at it. John has this message, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Therefore, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do that. Do that. You brood of vipers. And, 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 and it's this list of demands this list of, of a new legalism, if you will, if, if that fits kind of your, your um, theological mindset, this new legalism of demands and coercion and berating into change. You know, you must change yourself and be like this. And, you know, fair play to John. He gets it more than anybody else. He understands Jesus's mission and message more than anybody else, but he still doesn't get it. You must reform yourselves if we are going to see the change of this world becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of our Christ. And the thing is, Jesus, in the next chapter, so that's Luke 4. In Luke 5, Jesus comes along with exactly the same message. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. But what does Jesus' message look like? Come, follow me. Follow in my footsteps. Be in relationship with me. Let's go heal people. Let's go love on people. Yep, those outcasts. Yep, that centurion. Yes, I know he's an oppressor. But I have never seen faith like that in Israel. Yes, I know he's a tax collector. Yes, he has colluded with the enemy of our people to exploit people. But Matthew, I want you in my team. And I know that's awkward, but the way my kingdom comes is through healing people and relationships, through filling hearts with the message of God. And I am going to empower you by breathing my spirit upon you. It is not a list of demands, although Jesus does demand change. But it's an empowerment to change. Jesus will fill all in all with the beautiful relationship of the Trinity. But first he has to fill our hearts. So it might sound twee and trite. But how do we usher in change? We learn to love better. You know, there's this this verse in, in 1 Thessalonians uh, where it talks about you guys are already loving really well, but just do it more and more. And that's how Jesus ushers in change. It is not sexy. It is not dynamic. The revolution of love will not be televised because it seems dull in comparison to fighting in the streets. But that's how it happens. You want you want change. You want true, lasting kingdom change to come. You want the kingdom of God, who is love, to come. Then love as God loves. And it can be easy to start. Sometimes uh, in my work, we have this phrase, you know, we want to boil the ocean. We want to do everything all at once. And if we don't do everything all at once, then it's ineffectual. But that is not true. If you want to usher in kingdom change, start by loving your wife loving your husband, loving your kids really well. Start by talking to your neighbour, the person that is not like you, the person that you are probably bored with talking to because they don't share any of your interests. Go love them well. Learn what it is to love that person well. Um, I, I personally have big issues with those guys that roar up and down our street, even though they're speed bumps. You know, how do I love them well? Because when I start to love them, while somehow the revolution of love is taking a hold in me, and that means one person in this entire world 
has been revitalized by love. And I can trust the Holy Spirit is working that in a million different people, in a billion different people around this world. And things will change. Um, I was at a work thing the other day. Uh, the corporation I work for is heavily involved with the UN Sustainable Development Goals aims. Um, and me being the cynic I am about the ability to usher in change, uh, I ask questions about how how they're able to affect change with like governments who are intransigent to, to the UN kind of desires. And they said, you would be surprised by the the effectualness of grassroots movements. And yes, that is that is kind of it, it would I'm not lumping those two things in together. I'm not lumping in kind of the, the UN kind of idea for utopia and the kingdom of God because I know they're two completely different things. But it is interesting that they note the value of these grassroots movements. And the thing is the grassroots movement doesn't start with a group of people. It starts within the hearts of people. You want to see kingdom change, the kingdom of God who is love ushered in then start to love as god loves and start to love your neighbor well so it's a challenge it's a deep challenge it can often be boring work that requires a great deal of patience but that's why 1 corinthians 13 was written it's patient it endures long why because that is how love has to be it is not some um high profile sexy quick fix that you can meme on social media it's the long and laborious work of being in the dirt with people that you probably don't even like learning to love them well. I hope sincerely in Jesus name that this challenges you. Um, I know I know very well that I have not got all of this together. Uh, I do not live this very well. And also, I do not have all the answers. So please push back at me. I want to learn. I want to learn to love well. So in Jesus name. Amen.